This episode of the AT Tips Cast is sponsored by TextHelp, provider of the award-winning literacy solution, Read and Write Gold. Is your child or student struggling with reading and writing? Read and Write Gold from TextHelp can help. Read and Write Gold's text-to-speech software is for individuals with reading or writing difficulties, those with learning disabilities such as dyslexia, and English language learners. Its customizable toolbar integrates with common applications and provides support tools for reading, writing, studying, and research. With Read and Write Gold, students of all ages can get the support they need at school, home, work, and now even in the cloud. The TextHelp web apps allow users to access their favorite Read and Write features in the cloud, anywhere, anytime. To learn how Read and Write Gold can help your struggling student, visit TextHelp.com or call 1-888-248-0652. That's 1-888-248-0652. And as a special offer from now until May 31st, 2013, you can receive 10% off any online order of Read and Write Gold by entering the code ATTIPS. 13 save 10 upon checkout. That's AT Tips, the numeral 13, save the numeral 10. Order your copy today. Welcome to the AT Tips Cast, exploring and investigating the implementation of assistive technology in public schools. I'm your host, Chris Bouguet. This is episode 112, recorded on March 24th, 2013. This episode features the second half of the presentation my wife and I did for the 2012 Virginia Society for Technology and Education Conference called Taking the Ill Out of Literacy, where we shared a collection of some of my most common recommendations when it comes to helping emerging readers. If you'd like to follow along with the slides, you can access the entire presentation at bit.ly slash visti 12 literacy. That's bit.ly slash visti 12 literacy. This episode covers some new ground as far as the AT Tips cast is concerned, including my take on speech to text as a general strategy, as well as a brief discussion of why and when you'd use guided access on the iPad. And now, on with the presentation. Um, okay. Uh, honey, you were talking about reading stuff out loud, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here's another one. Read the stuff out loud and then have the students record it. Um, when they're recording their own reading, like this, they're one, reading it out. But what happens is you're creating that digital profile, right? We heard the Steve Denbo talk about it at the beginning. Um, you, you have this habit. So let's picture it this way. It's September. You break out the book. They start reading. Right. You do your reading score. What, tell me, honey, you know this better than I do. What is it called when you, teachers have to keep track of the, like, the reading? What's it called? <laughs> Running records, right? Yeah. So, so oh. what if you recorded the student doing that, recording this? Now, fast forward three months later, and they're better. You've been practicing. You've got work. You've got evidence that they're better. Where were they back then? We've got some numbers. It doesn't mean anything to the student necessarily. What they could do is go back and listen to it. Okay, listen to this, and now listen to this. Look how much better you sound, and how much more confidence do they have. Right, Right. exactly. You can talk about pacing, you can talk about um, word omission, everything. I mean, they can can hear it. It would be very beneficial. Cool, everyone doing this? I feel like I'm talking. Yes? We do it in voice thread. 
so they can listen to each other as well. All right, voice thread, perfect. Awesome. Voice thread, awesome. photo battles is another one. All right. I, we didn't throw these up here, but these are all different tools. I'm not advocating one tool or another. That's why there's options up there. I could have put tool options. So I like that. Anyone else doing it with something else? Blabberize? iPod Touches, the voice memos. Voice memos and iPod Touch. Great. Other ways? Nice. Photo booth. What's it called? Photo booth. Photo booth? Mm-hmm. Fo- like at the bottom of your iPad? That photo booth? Or a website called photo booth? On your mask. Oh, okay. GarageBand podcast. Garage band, okay, so you could record your voice in garage band. Excellent, excellent. And photo store, right in PowerPoint, in Word, photo story. Photo story and, okay, good stuff. All different ways you can record your voice while you're reading. Um, a lot of what we talked about there are um, stuff you either have to install or is, is part of an operating system. Audacity, you know, you have to install, it's free. That should be on every computer, in my opinion. Then Vakru and Record MV3 are websites so that students can go and they can record their voice online and it records their voice and saves it as a URL. Uh, or you can download an MP3 with it. Is that also in Vakru? Like you can have Audacity? For some reason, my district is blocking Audacity. Well, Audacity is you download it and you install it. Right, right. They don't like it. They won't let you install it. So, can you edit some Vakru also? So, what you would do is you record. And then it would save as an MP3, and then you'd have to edit it in some other program. So it doesn't, it's, it's one of the reasons I like it, it's so simple. Right. You know, you just so go to the website, what do I do? I hit record and I record, you know. Okay. One strategy here is to chart one's own progress. So um, what you see over here on the left hand side, or is it right? Right hand side? Right. Or is it the left hand side? <laughs> I don't know. Depends on if you're the, at the perspective. Perspective. This is our son's reading log. Now, when I did start to go out and do some research about reading logs, turns out highly controversial. Lots of people like them, people don't like them so much. But I guess it's how you define what a reading log is. Because when you take it and you just look at, um, I'm going to write the date, the title, the author, and the number of pages. We're going to leave, keep this list. That's different than a reading log, such as, I'm going to comment on the book. And I'm going to write a whole story about the book that I did. It's like doing a little mini book report. Two different skills, I think. But they're both called reading logs, the more research I do. I'm seeing some head nods. Is that? Tell me why you think it's controversial. I saw some head nods there, too. It's the issue of accountability, where some teachers feel like there's no trust. They just don't trust their kids. And it's just used as a gotcha tool, as opposed to getting to know the kid as a reader. And so you, you just get this butting heads of how you feel about students and whether you trust students or not a lot of times. Hmm, okay, interesting. Other That's really good. I like that. That was good. I just think it takes a lot of fun on reading. It takes a lot of the fun. You know, we want them to read for pleasure. We want them to build that love. And, oh, because you read, fill this out. Right. Yeah. Otherwise, right. we won't believe you. Yes. yes. I So there, it's, um, I think one of the elements that you're talking about there is choice. 
you have built in some choice about it. So it's not you have to do this, you have to do this. It's you have some choices about how you want to do it. Right. I mean, the requirements you have to read, but yes, the choice is how you want to respond to it. And so maybe that's a, a marriage of the two, that it's not necessarily one way or the other. Right? Marriage is about compromise, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm talking to yeah. you. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. I know you're talking to me. <laughs> Um, Biblio, honey, do you have anything to say about reading logs? Do you use any voice to text? Do we use any voice to text? Um, the answer is absolutely not. <laughs> um, I, I, that's one of my soapboxes that I'll get on. And since I have some time, I'm going to get on it. You, ready? you want to? Oh. Okay. So I apologize now that this is my soapbox for for dragon dictate and, and voice to text. Um, we get that question a lot. I've got a student that here's the, we're doing science, and here's the science activity, and they need to write about what they what they learned about in science. So there's my first question: Why the hell do they need to write about it? Why can't they express what they know in a different way? You know, is the SOL right about your science, or is it to demonstrate your knowledge about your science? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of, it? I don't think it's right, right? especially when it's science or social studies, right? So then we get the teacher that says, I've told all these students that they have to write, so I want this student to write. Okay, let's change the activity so that it's express or not, demonstrate what you know. So we can open up all these other tools that we're talking about. Okay, so now, um, that's, that's number one. Number two is, when you're dictating, very, very, very rarely does that go smoothly. You know, like, um, you, uh, there's always like a little hiccup. You know, like some, it never seems to like work just, just Smoothly and Dragon Dictate. I think you still need to be on the internet. You have to have Wi-Fi connectivity. Okay. Um, you never use it. The third thing is, right? If you were to break out your phones right now, your husband, your wife, text you, how do you respond? How do you how do you get back to them? Could you write politely? Politely. Polite. Oh no, wait. Right? Politely. How would you do it? And if I was, if I'm in a session and I'm sitting here. And my wife says, Chris, where are the band-aids? Maggie just cut herself. What do I do? In the drawer. You text her. I text her back, right? I don't break out my phone and say, hey, Siri, tell my wife, because how rude would that be? You know what I mean? So, and, and where are students getting their, they're still going to classrooms, right? They're still sitting in environments like this, right? Where, so, you, there's, so they still need that skill of keyboarding, of typing. And when you move immediately, text-to-speech, you've taken out the keyboarding, either the, the, either the texting skill or the keyboarding skill. So, instead, what we do is we try and use one of these um, recording programs. It's awesome. In Word 2007, in XP, you can embed the audio right into it. Was, oh, so sweet. Now you have to use one of these, or use the sound recording feature in Word. But So we still use the same thing. We want the student to express what they know. They go back to the computer and they tell it, okay, here's the thing. My uh, science experiment went great. Uh, here's what happened. I used uh, whatever, whatever the science thing, and they talk about it. And then they turn that into the teacher. Now, if the teacher still wants them to type, wants some sort of text output for some reason, okay, go back and listen to the audio file and start typing it in. Because now I can listen to it as many times as I want to and get my text in. I'm practicing keyboarding. I'm practicing audio, audio comprehension. I'm not eliminating those by going immediately to text-to-speech-to-text. To speech, to speech to text. 
So it seems like a better solution um, than moving immediately to speech to text. The only time we really recommend it when that's the only option, like students quadriplegic or something. Um, now, that's my soapbox. You go on the internet, you talk to other people, and I see a little frowny face, like, well, I've been using it. You know, that, I'm not meaning to make you feel bad. There are plenty of people that use it. It's just one more tool in the toolbox. That's exactly, that's exactly a good way to put it. That's much better than my soapbox way to put it, is to say that, did I give you one of these yet? Uh, that it has its place and you have to use it wisely. You know? um, there's all sorts of things that I think we jump on the bandwagon for. The, the latest one, especially in, in, in I'm going on the chair, is uh, this guided access. Have you heard of guided access? Okay, so guided access is a, an iOS feature in, in iPads. Just came out in iOS 6, where you can lock down an app or lock down the iPad so that you can't move to another app. So you get a student, let's say, who has autism that's like, okay, I'm going to do this app you want me to do, and I'll do it for three minutes, and then I'm going to jump out and go to YouTube or something. And you can lock the app down so that the student can't go there. And if, so, so what's the immediate rush the teachers get behind? Okay, let's lock the app, lock it down. And what do they miss? You miss all the opportunity to say why that's inappropriate, right? Why, that's, why you should be staying. So again, what you said, Mary Ellen, I think is beautiful. It's brilliant. Use it selectively. Use it when it's appropriate. Make some choices about it. There are other options. And the way to frame it, when you need a philosophy to get behind, is what's least restrictive. What is going to lead? What, okay, I need, a, I need a technology solution. Here's the problem. Here's the technology. What solution should I put in place? I have this vast, vast, vast options of, of what solutions come in place. Start with what's least restrictive. That will be a guide for you to choose what technology you put in place. All right, I just went on a bench, honey. Rail me in. <laughs> Tell me to stop. Are you going to get to keep it? Okay. Okay, moving on. Melissa, yes? Will you have a soapbox about keyboarding at all? Say that again? Will you talk about keyboarding at all? In Not in this presentation, but I do have... Um, so, this is perfect. I mean, just, so I do a podcast called the AT Tips Cast, uh, and I do have a whole thing there on keyboarding and a blog. I have a blog, too. Called the AT Tips, the Compendium blog for the AT Tips cast on our favorite keyboarding strategies. You know. yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, you can find it. Yes? Use guided access. Guided access. It's in the accessibility features of your iPad. So, again, I'm not saying guided access is a bad, bad thing, just you be selective when you use it. Yep. If you go explore, you'll see it right there in your accessibility features. Okay, so the, going back to chart one's own progress, um, Bibliognasium, anyone played with this website? Yeah? Well, <laughs> Melissa's nodding over here because Melissa is a librarian. So do you... No, because I'm a friend of Spell. <laughs> <laughs> that too, right? So since you're nodding, do you want to talk about it? Mm -hmm. I only know it because the very well-known librarian Shannon M. Miller is experimenting with it, and I do like the look of it. Do you hear that? Over here. Do you hear that? It's not your typical read and reward sort of site. It's like students can comment on books that they like. And, mm -hmm. and so here we go. I'm saying the Bibliomasium, but I'm not advocating for that necessarily. What you said, I kept it here. Our son keeps one on the spreadsheet for fun, so we can go back and look at like how the progress that he's made. Be a great math activity as well. It can be converted to that. And blogs and journals, like we saw this morning during the keynote. Can you imagine my 
when I, when I saw him that his son is keeping a blog, I was like, oh my god, ours too. <laughs> um, okay, prescribed television. This is probably a more controversial one. Here's the deal. How many of you use video? Your hands are a little squeamish. Is there a person here who does not use video? Like, no hands went up. That's better. <laughs> Do you hear that, honey? Everyone is using video. Yeah, they should. Can you believe it's 2012 and I have a PowerPoint that says, use Sesame Street as a reading strategy? <laughs> Here's the deal. You, you would have no compunction about recommending a video to a, t- to a parent, right? Here's this great video on, a, on, uh, on uh, the periodic table, right? Would you recommend that to a parent? Here's it. Here's a, you can review it. You show it to me. Okay. Would you ever recommend a TV show? It's the same deal. It's the same deal for students reading. So there's been research, lots of research done on the benefits of technology and reading. Sorry, the benefits of TV and reading with students. And if you go here, if you're children, you'll see what those the evidence is. What it says in a nutshell, is that under the age of two, it's primarily a bad thing. Students really can't really, with what's going on video-wise, to, to, to really any of the concepts. But over the age of two, it increases the reading ability of, of students. Okay, let me say that again. Over the age of two, TV increases the reading ability of students. And I say prescribed TV because it's not any TV, right? Phineas and Ferb is not focusing on reading ability. Right? But these are... Have you ever seen Word Girl? Yes. Okay. The smiles, right? It's hilarious. It's hilarious TV show, and the kids love it, and it's all about building vocabulary. And so if you would have no problem saying, hey, parents, go watch this science video, then why would you have a problem saying, hey, parents, go watch your kids have difficulties with vocabulary. Go watch this TV show. They're going to watch TV anyway. Everyone has TV. Even the lowest of incomes, for the most part, has a TV. So here's a free technology. They're going to watch it anyway. Your job as the teacher changes. You prescribe the TV. You say, we're going to look at uh, Word Girl because your student is having difficulty with vocabulary. So you know what would be a good thing for you guys to do? Right? You're making dinner. You need that half hour. Right, honey? Yeah. <laughs> you need that half hour to, to get stuff done. And they're going to be on TV. Don't just let them watch whatever they want to watch. Maybe guide them to watch Word Girl. Maybe that's what you said. Well, uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. So, well, the way that um, we use Word Girl at home, and um, let's see, Chris, ask, I want you to tell me if anybody raises your hand, raises their hand, who dances with Captain Huggy Pants at the end of the show? Raise your hand. You all know you do. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the way that I use it at home, because I've been, uh, you know, staying at home with our kids, is it will, it will come up. And the word of the day that they use, I try to incorporate that into our language throughout our day. I try and have them use it. I use it. I model it. Um, you know, we talk about the letters in it and everything like that. There's just so many ways that you can utilize what they've just watched and put it into their real-life setting. But this is so simple and yet so overlooked, I think, so often, you know? So, all right, I'm going to move on to the next one. And the next one that I'm going to show, I want to tease a little bit. 
Honey, Les, do you have anything else you want to say about any of these? Word World or Super Y or anything? Oh, yes, there was another thing I wanted to say. The interaction between the TV and our children, if, you know, Phineas and Ferb, we get laughs and things like that. Who when, you know, Goof and Schmart's hilarious. But we, when they watch Word Girl, those TV shows, um, are, you know, designed to be interactive. They ask a question, they give an appropriate wait time, and then they will say, yeah, great job, even if the kid gets it wrong, you know, so the kid's like, what? But our children will respond to the TV, and they respond to Word Girl, Word World, um, Dora, but still, they're sequencing there, okay. But, um... They respond to the TV, and I love that because they will try and find those, um, you know, whatever that character is asking them to do. Will they put on their shoes for me? No, but they'll respond to the pig in Word World, so, you know. <laughs> um, okay, so you're going to start using TV, prescribing TV? I'll say Cyber Chase, by the way. Just step away from reading for a second. Cyber Chase, great for math. You haven't ever seen yeah. it's actual applications of math where these students use real math problems to solve, you know, whatever the, the, the situation is. So, again, it's just the idea is students having difficulty, let me focus in, they're using this technology, you don't have, there's no training involved. Okay? All right, the next one involves a little bit of training, about this much. Can you, can you put your thumbs up? Now bring them down. You know exactly what she said. She whispered here. Can you bring your thumb down? Everyone can do this? Right? If you can't with this thumb, try with this thumb. Okay? What I'm about to show you will blow your mind. Okay? Ready? My second favorite strategy, the first one, is text-to-speech. got to be on every computer. Okay? Second favorite strategy, it'll go in every report I write from now on. It has to do with reading because no one's doing it and they all should. And all the research points to that. It benefits students greatly is to turn on the closed captioning on YouTube. On any, if you show a video to any student, it's not just for students with disabilities. It's not just for students who are deaf. It's for everybody. Okay? How many of you have been to a bar? Well, now all their hands go up. And, <laughs> and you see the closed captioning so you can read it so you can ignore the person that you're sitting with. <laughs> I never do that, by the way, honey. I'm always listening to what you have to say. Um, right, right. But you're using YouTube at school, maybe? You're using videos in school? Do you have the closed captioning turned on? Turn it on. There's no reason. So just as an experiment, I did this with our own kids. On the TV in the living room, I did not turn it on. On the TV in the bedroom, which we don't really... And we, we have one in our bedroom, but the kids don't have TVs in their bedrooms. Um, so we'll climb on our bed every once in a while and we're folding laundry and we'll watch TV. I turn the captions on. I just wanted to see if they would ever... So we have, sorry, we have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Yep, we do. Yep. Um, I just wanted to see if they'd be like, Daddy, why is the black box up there? Can you turn that off? It's so distracting. You know, never said a word. They never said a word. No one even noticed that it was there. But, but they did notice that your folding is not up to par. But that's okay. <laughs> but I am carrying video with the audio with the text. And it's all the research shows. There's, there's like a whole organization talking about how you should turn captions up. So from now on, will you promise me? Let's all raise our right hand. 
all the time. There are these other people with them. They're called parents. And they don't have the TV. They, they, have, they watch TV, but they don't have the captions on. Tell them to turn the captions on. Use their thumb, turn it on. They will increase their, your reading scores in your school will go up. I promise you. I promise you. My name is Chris Bugay. You can write me if they don't. <laughs> okay. We all going to do that? Yes. Super simple? Yes. It, there's a closed caption button down at the bottom. Um, so when you go to YouTube, like you'll see this is the screen, there's a closed captioning button at the bottom. Now, not everyone captions their YouTube videos, but all of your major ones, like if you're using United Streaming and all that stuff, they should be closed captioned. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, if there's no closed caption, then you're stuck. And you watch the video without closed captioning, but if you can, turn them off. Okay? We all going to do that? We all going to tell our teachers to do that? We all going to evangelize this strategy? Okay, excellent. Here's the last one, number 10. Frillless apps. Frillless apps. There's this device called the iPad. Have you heard it? Sweeping the nation, right? And so we got on board, right? We have our iPad. We do it with, our, with my daughter there. We cuddle up on the couch and we read, the, read our, our books on our iPad. And so what happens is um, I subscribe to this I get an email every day for some free, here are the free uh, here are the free apps that come out today. So I sign up for one of those. And so every other day or so I actually look at it and oh, look, there's these great storybook apps. And I think they're great. And so I download them. And because they're free. You know. And then at night, we'll sit. And one of them was the Wizard of Oz, right? And so we sat down and we read together, hit on each side of them, right? We start reading through the Wizard of Oz. And every other page or so, they have this great activity, or so I thought, where it's, um, you know, hey, uh, you blow up and you shake on it, and all the leaves fall off the tree, you know? Or you turn it this way, and all the stuff falls this way, and this way, and this way, right? Or you put your finger on it and you swipe it over and you erase and there's a hidden thing behind it. Have you seen these sorts of things? Mm-hmm. Exciting, right? And guess what it does to the comprehension of the story? It distracts. It distracts and distracts. It. Right? Our kids... And, and it starts fight. And it starts fight for crying out loud. Daddy, he did I didn't get to do it. I wanted to swim. <laughs> so the idea is not to avoid e-books. I'm not saying that, but be selective. Find ebooks that don't have that sort of nonsense. Right? If it doesn't add to the story, don't use it. You know? um, and so there's research done on this. Um, I was at a the, uh, there's a place called the Maryland Maryland Assistive Technology Network, and they put on the Spring Institute. And I was there, and this guy showed it to me. The guy's name was Dave Hobulin, and he said there's this research article where they took uh, 32 families and they took it print books. And they took ebooks without the frills, and they took the interactive ones that have all the frills. And that's how I know that it destroys it, because it's, it's small, it's only 32 families, right? But they looked at the, at the interactions, and they said the vocabulary and the memory of the story decreased in those students. Not decreased, but it didn't increase as much as the other two. Okay? So, 
stick with your print books at home if they don't have, or go with the iPad or any device, doesn't really matter. But make the books that they're not so frilled, you know, with the, with the flow. You know, it's gotta have some substance in them. So that brings us to the Flying Books app. Honey, you wanna talk about the Flying Books app? You want me to talk about it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So the Flying Books app is um, a free download for the actual app. Then there are in-app purchases, and each one ranges from $1.99 to $3.99. And you can find books at all different levels. Right now they are adding to their library so that they can raise the level um, to age six and above, maybe six to eight. Right now they have a lot of books for younger emerging readers. Um, and one of their books in their library is called Dragonfly, Dragonfly, Show Us the Way, and that is a story that Chris and I wrote. Yeah, for our podcast. A little bit of a sales pitch there. I want to be clear, but yeah. So check it out. I wanted to say that that was a little bit of a sales pitch for Dragonfly, Dragonfly. I'm a to- I'm totally shameless plugging here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We totally are. But Flying Book Tap is free. So explore it. Like I said, it's free, and you don't have to buy anything. Okay. Okay. We, we are, have five minutes. We are almost out of time. Definitely check out nightlightstories.net. That's the podcast that we do where we write original children's stories. And we have 52. We have 52 stories there, all for free, and you can subscribe to on iTunes. Um, and listen to them. Check them out. See if you like them. When, every time we put up a story, um, do you want to talk about the blog for a second, honey? Yes. Uh, the Nightlight Stories blog has on it, um, for every story that we write, we put up comprehension questions family-friendly activities, and um, vocabulary words for each of the stories. And then every week, we post something called Lighting the Way with Words, where we post a word. Um, right now, we're on B, but last week, we're on C. So we post a word that begins with C, and we put a picture with it, and um, that demonstrates that word. Um, we've been doing that for five rounds, right? So we've got, like, lots yeah, of... Yeah, this, this is our fifth round of them. We're going out for that, yep. All right, and that is hopefully 10 strategies that you can take back and use, that you can use to hopefully. Um, so, so I have extra calendars, so come on up and come get some. I didn't mention what these are. These are strategy of day calendars for our system technology team. Puts together a strategy of day calendar every year, and every day is just a different strategy that we use with students like the ones like you just saw here. Um, and uh, they all have a QR code on them that take you to additional, like sometimes it's a podcast, sometimes it's a video, or whatever, additional content about that strategy. So, During the presentation, I mentioned a number of tools and strategies which I've documented as AT Tips on the blog attipscast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy the free live webinar my wife and I are doing on April 10th for the Virginia Society for Technology and Education. The webinar is called, Can You Hear Me Now? And we're going to be talking about different uses for audio in contemporary educational practices. It's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern on April 10th. Save the date and keep an eye on the AT Tips Cast Facebook page or the Twitter feed. Until next time, may all your interventions be inclusive and may all your strategies be supportive.